The Cardinals and the Braves played home run derby in Atlanta last night. Plus, Jordan Walker has started to really show why having him play in right field is the right move for this franchise. This is Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Cardinals fans. I'm J.D. Hafford, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou, and a lifetime Cardinals fan. And I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio and the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes. Spotify, Google Podcasts, we're all over the place. You know where to find us. And if you haven't joined us yet on YouTube, I uh, put this invitation out there to you right now. Come on by, check us out. Like, subscribe, and comment, interact with us. Hit the notification button so you know when those new episodes are posted. This is a show serving Cardinal Nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat. Today's episode being brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Well, as you can see, if you were watching on YouTube, I've got the uh, victory, victory, ugly old man shirt on today. I got, I don't know what else. We got to come up with a good name for this. But uh, the Cardinals did win last night in Atlanta. Um, that was quite an entertaining game, right? Uh, offensive explosion last night for the Cardinals and Braves, two of the top home run hitting teams. They put on a show with the Cardinals coming out on top last night. We'll talk more about that game later on in this episode. But I want to start today uh, talking about the franchise uh, savior, Jordan Walker, which, sure, okay, that's a bit much. But certainly Walker, one of the top up-and-coming players in the game. You're starting to see him get very, very comfortable at the plate. You know, uh, he's really on a tear recently. Comes up as a third baseman since last year. Uh, has been making that transition into the uh, outfield, which is what I want to focus on today because there's been a lot of talk about his defense recently because he's been playing much better in right field. Uh, he's definitely had his ups and downs in the outfield, but but can you blame the guy? <laughs> I mean, really, for taking a, a little while longer? He's only 21 years old, learning how to play this position. Uh, you know, just started doing it last year at double A. You know, he never really even got time in triple A uh, until this year when he got sent down. You know, his whole life he's been an infielder. And then after being so good that he's drafted by a team who acquires one of the greatest third basemen of all time in Nolan Arenado, who still has plenty of years left at the hot corner. So uh, when they drafted him in the first round, it, was, it wasn't because his D the thirds was suspect. It's his bat. They got him in that first round. So I'm sure he was a good third baseman in high school. Uh, on top of Arenado, they also have Nolan Gorman, who uh, another top prospect uh, came up as a third baseman. And now both of these guys, players who were so good as hitters that they were drafted in the first round, have had to learn different positions. And they're doing it in their early 20s. This is not stuff that they really toyed with before. I mean, I don't know if, if Jordan or Gorman had ever dabbled in the outfield while uh, at the high school level or whatever, but I'm guessing they've they've shagged some fly balls. 
uh, a couple of times, but it's a different animal out there altogether in game situations. It's not as easy as some of the guys that the Cardinals have had over the years have made it look because the Cardinals have had immaculate defense in the outfield for many, many years. We've been very spoiled. Uh, Jimmy Edmonds, Harrison Bader, uh, Tyler O'Neill with a couple of gold gloves. You know, you've seen a lot of really good defensive players in the outfield of the Cardinals over the years. And when you see somebody who's just learning how to play the position, he looks really, really bad out there because he's just learning it. And people really got on him for this. Um, you know, Gorman probably could play the outfield if he needed to, but the, the Cardinals moved him over to second base where they can capitalize on that third baseman's arm that he possesses. You know, it, it'll help him while playing second, uh, you know, turning double plays, getting balls that are more up the middle, uh, depending on how they're shifted over and stuff. So uh, that's going to come into play. You've seen it on multiple double plays this year where Gorman just rifles it over there. So imagine that you have both of those arms with Mason one at short, and then you got Nolan Gorman at second base. That's pretty good. Um, and you got to remember too, Gorman didn't look all that great at second base last year. Like we were making fun of him, but he kept working. And in year two, he's definitely improved. His total fielding runs above average have improved from minus two last year to plus one in a similar amount of uh, innings and chances that he had last year. Fielding percentage at second base this year, 982. So he's getting better. So now we look at Jordan Walker, who, again, rookie year, coming up, had a much tougher transition to go from being an infielder to an outfielder. You remember Gorman just moving from third to second. He's been playing infield. You're moving him to an entirely different position in the outfield. But you're starting to see why, in time, the Cardinals felt that he's best suited out there. We know the kid can run. Uh, six six frame which means uh, lots of length out there. You know, with the, the his build and stuff reminds me of Jason Hayward, who played right field for the Cardinals and has been an, an elite gold glove outfielder his entire career. But that's what he reminds me of out there, just, you know, how long he is and how his long strides will help him get to uh, some other balls that, you know, the smaller guys just cannot reach. They just won't be able to get to him. He's got that cannon arm which we've seen on display many, many times this year, uh, is starting to get noticed by other teams in the league, and uh, they're learning not to take any chances against Jordan Walker in that arm in right field, which is great. That's a weapon. Um, and you've got Lars Newbar, who's also got a cannon out in the outfield as well. So you got two very elite-level arms uh, stopping runners from taking extra bases on the Cardinals. Uh, the numbers are not pretty in year one of the outfield at the major league level for Jordan Walker. Um I'm going to rattle them off here, and they're pretty gross. His fielding runs above average sit at minus 24. He's a minus 8 in left field and a minus 16 in right field. Okay, that's horrible. His outs above average on baseball savant is minus 12. It's not good. I give Alec Burleson a hard time because he looks like the John Cruck of this team. You know, the build, the long hair, doesn't really look all that athletic. And it's even worse when you see him running around in the outfield. But Alec Burleson is only a minus seven out in the outfield. So he's doing better than what Walker has done so far this year. Uh, Tommy Edmonds, a plus six. Carlson, a plus two. Newtbar, a plus two. O'Neill, a plus one. We know that Walker has had a lot of trouble out there. But learning to play an entirely new position at the major league level isn't something that is supposed to be easy. That's why people don't normally do it. Some have suggested that Walker should become the first baseman of the future after Goldie's contract is up. And while I don't hate that idea, I still think that's a waste. I really do. Um, you know, you're taking away two of his best qualities 
his speed and his arm. You're just removing that from being something that can alter baseball games because he's not going to use that stuff if he's a first baseman. There's no need for it. They don't throw the ball very often. So that's why guys like Bryce Harper who had surgery on his elbow can still play first base because they don't have to throw the ball all that much. So do we really want a guy who has an elite arm like that just being wasted over at first base? I say no. Do we want somebody who runs as well as he does wasted over at first base, making runs to the bag to, uh, you know, get the assist on a ground ball to Arenado? No, I don't want that. I I think that's a a huge waste. Um, And of course, he's also, he would have to learn how to play first base, which is not like the easiest thing in the world either. Uh, John Denton pointed out at MLB.com that Walker ranks in the bottom 1% for range in outs above average. His fielding run value ranks in the bottom 3%. His routes to fly balls, he says, are sometimes a bit circuitous, but his arm strength, 97th percentile, sprint speed, 80th. So there's no reason he can't become at least serviceable out there with experience. And I think the outfield is where he will definitely help the team the most. In this past weekend against Pittsburgh, you saw a glimpse of how good he can be if he keeps working at it. You know, Cardinals legend Willie McGee has been working with him all year. And I would assume as long as Willie is on this staff, he'll continue to help guide him. Perhaps he can pick up some pointers from Jimmy Edmonds, who always, as annoying as people find Jimmy on the telecast, the way he talks about the game, I find it very insightful. And I love the way he talks about different aspects of hitting and how the outfielders, specifically Jordan Walker, should go after a ball and whatnot. And he talks high of Walker when discussing at what he can be at some point. Others like uh, former Cardinal Andy Van Slyke, has been a little bit tougher on him. And it's not that what Andy is saying is mean or anything, but he just doesn't beat around the bush. He thinks Walker is a terrible outfielder, and the stats back that up. But he also said that if he continues to work, perhaps in a couple of years, he, he won't be such a handicap out there with his defense in the outfield. He thinks he can definitely get better, loved his arm. And, of course, the offense has been something that, uh, you know, has been has been coming along and is becoming more and more productive and special as the season progresses. Uh, Ali loves his work ethic, saying in Denton's article, when you're a player with his skill set and aptitude, you're bound to develop a lot quicker. He loves the game. He loves working hard. And it's a matter of time before we see a much, much better player. And we're already getting a good version of him. You know who else has had analytic stats? This shocked me a little bit, by the way, when I was just going through the stats uh, in right field that caught me off guard. Likely the NL MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr. I did not realize he was not a good outfielder. I had no idea. I thought he was good out there. You know, he's got speed and a good arm. He's a minus eight and outs above average. Yet many would argue he's the best player in the game right now. So if Jordan Walker's bat, which after last night's game has him hitting 279 with 15 dingers and 44 ribbies, continues to thrive the way it has. I'm not saying he's the next Ronald Acuna Jr., But if his offense becomes elite, which is what many, many people think is going to happen, you're willing to live with some of the defensive deficiencies that come along with that. That's what the Braves are doing with Ronald Acuna Jr. Why why does every Cardinal outfielder have to be a gold glover or or they just suck? It doesn't have to be that way. But you want to surround him with guys to, uh, you know, alleviate those problems off of him. You know, you want whoever's in center field to be at an elite level to go get some of those balls in the gap that, Jordan may not get to because his route to get the ball won't be very good. And that's okay. That's okay. You can, you can deal with that. 
Um, that center fielder may be Tommy Edmond. The way things are going, he looked amazing again last night. I wanted to get into some of the uh, listener comments next about the idea of trading Tommy Edmond because uh, there was a lot of good, productive discussion on uh, the episode that I did about possibly trading Tommy Edmond for pitching. So we're going to jump into that next on Locked on Cardinals. The MLB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to multiply your money, your cash, 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. You know, baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts and, uh, you know, Shohei Otani and Julio Rodriguez and uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Like, you've got all these young, up-and-coming studs that are really, really fun to watch. Jordan Walker is one of them. Pick more or less on the stats for these stars on, you know, home runs, hits, stolen bases. You can go pitchers, too, if you want to, strikeouts and more for up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. And when you get your picks right, you win big. So I'm going to show you some of the uh, photos of what the Sleeper app looks like. Just because the Cardinals are out of it doesn't mean you can't make money by using your fantasy baseball knowledge on the Sleeper app, you know, tonight. Tonight, the Cardinals and the Braves will play again. And I told you about last night's game. I told you, Miles Michaelis gives up a lot of home runs and hits. And it would be smart to put your Braves in the lineup. Gave up three dingers and eight hits last night. Braves end up hitting four home runs total. They're a stacked lineup. So you would take advantage of that. Now, flip it tonight. It's Dakota Hudson on the mound. If he's got his good sinker ball going, maybe they're not hitting as many. But... What about on the mound? Spencer Strider leads the league in strikeouts. Cardinals strike out a lot. Spencer Strider might be the guy to go with tonight and bet on his strikeouts. And uh, again, win big. Use the promo code locked on. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. The Cardinals are back in Atlanta tonight. You can catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Again, thank you for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Leaving comments on YouTube and on Twitter, great way to have a good discussion about anything going on with Cardinal baseball. Uh, your feedback is always welcome and encouraged. So uh, a couple of episodes ago, um, we talked about trading Tommy Edmond. All right. Bit of a hot topic because we all love Tommy. He's a great guy, and we love him in the clubhouse, and he's been a Cardinal the whole time, his whole career. And it's part of the problem for us as Cardinal fans is we get attached to these guys because we love them. You know, the Bader trade last year shocked a lot of people. I remember my mom going, what the hell is going on here? Smart business move, getting Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. But people weren't thrilled about it because it's one of our guys. Harrison Bader was one of our guys. Still is. We still love him. When they play the Reds this weekend and when he comes back to Bush, I'm sure he's going to get a great reception. Um, and when you traded him for a guy that most people weren't all that familiar with, Jordan Montgomery, most fans were, were kind of miffed by that. They're like, I don't want to do that. But it's part of the problem where we like Tommy Edmond, but when you see the needs of this baseball team, you got to give up something to get something. I'll say it over and over. So uh, let's see what people had to say about 
Tommy Edmund getting traded for pitching. Uh, Robert Frag 692 says, if Edmund goes and Marmol stays, I may have to find another team. Been a Cardinals fan since the 60s, but Edmund is exactly the kind of player that new rules are adapted for. Versatile switch hitter, steals bases. Does he ever make a mistake? When he didn't tag up the other day, I had to rub my eyes. Uh, pitching is an obvious priority, but I can think of a lot of guys I'd trade before him. No way. All right. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Um, the play you're talking about when he was kind of caught in no man's land, not tagging up. Uh, that was against San Diego, right? I think Contreras hit that one uh, where the center fielder made that diving catch. And instead of waiting on the bag, Tommy kind of started to take off and then he got back and he couldn't take, uh, you know, get home in time. So um, mental mistake. That's why this team loses one run games as much as it does. Things like that. But Everybody makes mistakes, so we're not going to bash on Tommy Edmund for that. It's okay. Um, but for all the reasons that you just listed is why trading him for pitching would be a possibility. Do other teams think – my question is, do other teams think as highly of Tommy Edmund as we do? That's that's debatable. I, I don't know how the other the rest of the league for, sees Tommy Edmund if he's as good as we think he is. But the ability, in my eyes, to play outfield, specifically center field, and middle infield at gold glove levels isn't something that should be taken lightly. And he's cheap. Like, he's not costing people an arm and a leg. You know, like I said, put on a show last night in center field. It looked outstanding. Uh, I don't want to trade. I feel like people get this misconstrued that I, I want to get rid of these guys. I don't want to trade Tommy Edmund. But if you have to get rid of somebody to bring in the level of pitching you need, you got to give away somebody that is pretty darn good. And if you can't put him in a package that lands you a top two arm, then don't trade him. But if you can, I consider it, you would still have Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Mason Wynn up the middle. And outfielders are usually available. Heck, bring, bring Bader back to play center field if you need to. But obviously, Newpar. O'Neal are capable enough to play those positions when they're on the field, if they can stay healthy. Um, you got Victor Scott coming up through your system, flying up the system right now. So you can find outfielders usually. So it's one of the reasons why Tommy might be expendable. Uh, Billy Bay says, trade Carlson, Burleson, and O'Neal. Keep Edmund and Donovan. Trading for pitching is questionable at best. Get pitching coaches at the major and minor league level that can recognize and develop really good pitchers. That's what we need. We definitely don't have good hitting and pitching coaches. We also need a good baseball manager and head of baseball operations. Hello. All right. Thank you, Billy. Uh, in theory, you keep your good players, you get rid of your bad players, right? Makes sense. But for every person like Billy who keeps harping on us to say, trade Carlson, trade Burleson and O'Neill, I ask you this question, and I will continue to ask you this question. Who exactly or what exactly do you think you're going to get for those guys? What do you think their worth is that some team is going to give you anything good in return for them? Like, you clearly don't want them. Carlson O'Neill can't stay healthy. Carlson can't hit right-handers. O'Neill can only play like four games a week before he needs to die off. Burleson's best trait so far this year is he doesn't strike out very much, and he happens to hit the ball hard at people all the time. Maybe he develops into something, but I don't think a lot of people around the league are like, ooh, got to get my hands on that Alec Burleson. So nobody is going to trade you much for any of these guys at this point. So you'd be selling low on them. 
And these are guys that you thought were going to be everyday starters when you're talking about Carlson and uh, O'Neal. Those are the only ones you mentioned there? No. Burleson wasn't going to be a starter, but, you know, serviceable bench bat has been able to play a little bit of first base, but you're just not going to get much in return for them. Now, you could make a deal where it's Carlson, Edmund, and a prospect. Maybe that can get you a viable arm for the rotation, but Carlson's stock is just, it's sunk at the moment. I mean, I'm not sure what he's really worth anymore these days to anybody out there. And as far as the coaching staff goes, I, I can't tell. I don't know. I don't know what minor league guys that are, are good coaches that should be brought up. I have no idea. Perhaps there will be some coaching turnover after the season, but Ollie and Mo aren't going anywhere. That That's pretty much locked in stone. So be ready. <laughs> They're coming back next year. Uh, Ollie's um, contract is up at the end of the season, 2024. So if things don't work out next year, they just let him walk. Um, Mo is going to be done in, uh, well, I think he's got two years left, I think. So, but they're not going anywhere for next year. 2024, you're going to see Mo and Ollie together still. That Anything else, that's pretty much been shot down by other people. Uh, Stephen Connell says, I agree the extra talent is middle infield and outfield. I love Tommy Edmond and we have to trade him and Carlson to get any good pitching. Don't forget, we have too many catchers. What can, including Yvonne Herrera, to deal get us? Uh, thank you, Stephen. I'm not sure what the Cardinals are going to do at catcher. I really don't know. I thought Herrera looked pretty good in his time on the big club this year. Kisner has had a surprisingly very good offensive year, and you got Contreras locked in for four more years. Offensively, you got to give credit to what these guys have done offensively, specifically Kisner and Contreras. Because remember, the, the, the team wanted to improve the offense that they were getting from the catcher position. They were willing to sacrifice defensively so they could get that offense. That was the plan. And it has worked exactly the way we thought it was going to. On the year, the Cardinals catchers going into last night have a combined to hit 261 with 24 home runs, 73 ribbies, and an OPS of 788. The batting average ranks fifth in all of baseball. These are all in baseball, okay? It's not just nationally. All of baseball. Fifth in, ba- fifth in uh, batting average, fifth in home runs, fourth in RBIs, third in OPS. They fixed that problem. But at what cost (laughs) when you see what happened with the pitching staff early on in the year and then the defense behind the plate has been suspect. Maybe you do throw Herrera in a deal or would someone want Kisner as a full-time guy? Is that, is somebody think like, okay, maybe Kisner should be a starter. It sounds a lot like the Blue Jays problem last year to me. If you remember, they ended up moving the uh, prospect Moreno, who was one of their top prospects in that deal with uh, Arizona. And they got Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Dalton Varsho went to Toronto in return. So I don't know. That that's you don't want three catchers on your roster. We played that stupid game for a while this year with Trace Pereira. So I guess if I had to get rid of one of them, you're not gonna be able to move Contreras in that contract. So I would probably see what you could get back for Kisner, even though I, I'm not I don't want to trade him. Don't get me wrong, but Pereira. Looks like he he's legit and should be fine at the major league level as well. I don't know yet if what Kisner is doing this year offensively is something that'll stay because it's the first year we've seen him hit this well. I hope it continues. I really do. Uh, thank you again for all the comments. Keep them coming as always. Uh, we're going to wrap things up next and talk about last night's game in Atlanta. We'll do that next.
on Locked on Cardinals. The Cardinals are in Atlanta to battle the Braves again tonight. You can catch every pitch of the Cardinals' hometown broadcast with uh, SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. Uh, last night's game was a lot of fun, right? I mean, that was entertaining. Heck, even if the Cardinals in, had lost, if the Braves had come back and put on a show and they ended up coming back, it was still fun watching both teams just smash balls all over the yard last night. Uh, Jordan Walker and his homecoming to Atlanta. Guy was showing off last night, wasn't he? And I love it. I love seeing Jordan Walker becoming the guy that we wanted him to be. We all thought he was going to be like this right when he came up. And that was us being crazy, thinking that it was going to be that easy. But the guy is going off right now with his uh, family in the crowd. You know, they went and talked to him. And, uh, you know, you got, to see, you got to see mom and dad and everything. Dad, obviously, friend of the show, uh, has been on here before with us. But, um Gosh, he was feeling the love last night. Three for four. Uh, had the bloop double, but hit that 15th home run of the year, which was a rocket. Uh, drives in two. He scores three times. Among qualified rookies in the NL right now, Jordan Walker is tied for sixth in home runs, eighth in RBIs, fourth in batting average, and fourth in OPS. And he's on a heater right now, so he might climb up those levels even further. And many of those guys, like uh, you know Corbin Carroll, with the Diamondbacks, Spencer Steer with uh, Cincinnati, they've played in over 130 games, where Walker's only played in 94 at the major league level. So he's got like 150 less at-bats than those guys. So to be where he is numbers-wise among them, even though 150 less at-bats, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, also last night, Nolan Gorman rips a couple of dingers. Finally, uh, you know, getting out of that funk after having the back issue. Looked really, really bad <laughs> for the first few games, but he hits two more last night. Strikes out three times as well, but that's kind of who Nolan Gorman is. Uh, 26 bombs on the year now. Countdown to 30 is on. I said if he got hot, you might see him reach 30. He's now tied with Arenado for the team lead. Have two guys named Nolan ever led a team in home runs before? It's an interesting trivia question. I don't even know how you would look that up, but uh, it's just that there's not a lot of Nolans around, and to have two of them. With 26 home runs on your team, I feel like that's rare. Uh, Tyler Broneal with the long fly as well. His ninth. Nude almost got one. Michael Harris robs him. That was an amazing catch. Um, I Imagine if the Cardinals played where the Braves do. <laughs> was it Truist Park in that the name of it? Imagine if they played in that ballpark all the time. That would be crazy, right? Pitchers wouldn't like that very much, I'm sure. Um, guys like Miles Michaelis, who give up a lot of contact, uh, grabbed his first win last night since July 17th. He gave up three home runs, but all solo shots, so usually you can live with that. Uh, we got to see Helsley in another game. He looked pretty good. Uh, a couple of strikeouts, which is great because for a while there, I was worried that he was going to go under the knife and he was gone all year. So to see him back on the mound and throwing smoke, that was, that was cool to see. Um, we did get where the Cardinals will be without Jojo Romero for a bit. Uh, been a great surprise this year. Uh, he's got tendonitis in the left knee, so he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Matthew Libertor, even though he struggled down in the minors, he's coming back up, but he's going to come out of the bullpen is what they said, So uh, that, that, at least for now. So he's going to be available tonight. Uh, the Cardinals also recalled Jose Fermin from Memphis and designated Taylor, poor Taylor Motter, for the third time this season, designated for assignment. Um, but like I said last week, I, I've, I've seen enough of Taylor Motter. It's time to give somebody else a chance to see if they can do something because he just wasn't getting it done. So anyway, 
That's what's going on with the Redbirds. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen every day. Be sure to catch every pitch of the Cardinals hometown broadcast for the series against the Braves with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Cardinals. You got Dakota Hudson on the mound tonight with his beautiful mic. It's the battle of the mustaches tonight. Dakota and his new mustache against Spencer Strider. He's got one of the best ones in the league. Strider, one of the best pitchers, too. 16-4, and four, those 16 wins. Tied for the league lead in baseball with the Cubs' Justin Steele. Uh, leads the league in strikeouts by a long shot. He's got 245, which is 38 more than Kevin Gossman, who's in second place for the Blue Jays. Um, recently, Steer got knocked around a little bit by the Dodgers, who obviously a really good lineup. Uh, they got him for four runs his last time out. The Pirates roughed him up for uh, – six runs like five starts ago and at home spencer is a little bit more vulnerable he's six and two 3.79 era but he's gonna punch out a lot of hitters tonight so so be ready if you haven't already please give us a follow on twitter at lo underscore cardinals at a jd sports radio like and subscribe on youtube help our channel and love for the cardinals grow you guys are the best fans in baseball for a reason and hopefully i'll be wearing this shirt again tomorrow when i see you next time on locked on cardinals have a good one